And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Let's get elevated. This is your host, Heather Steppe, co-founder of KC Hemp Company, bringing you all things cannabis to the hustle. Before we welcome our next guest, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Without further ado, I would love to introduce Nate Ruby of From the Earth Dispensaries and Illicit Gardens Cultivation and Manufacturing. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for coming on. I'm uh, really looking forward to the growth that you've had here uh, in the Missouri market. Um, so, I mean, let's just dive right in. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into cannabis and why you've chosen to stick with it? Yeah. Um, it's Cannabis has been something I've been interested in literally since like the eighth grade. Um, nice. So it's, you know, I, eighth grade, my mom's going to kill me trying to <laughs> tell the story. But, sorry, mom. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but I got caught basically trying to sell um, by her, luckily, before I did anything. Um, you know, she gave me a strict grounding, I would say, for about a month. And uh, during that time, it's I kind of just was at the library the whole time. I had to stay at school for a couple hours, and I just kind of started researching marijuana. Um, started finding out there are medicinal benefits to it. And from there, I kind of presented some research to my mom. I was ungrounded later, but I was still in <laughs> trouble. Uh, and then, so from there, it was just always a, something I was super interested in. After I graduated the University of Kansas, uh, I went to law school at uh, UMKC in Kansas City. And I never really wanted to be a lawyer. I just kind of wanted to pay them to change my mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, everything from business has to kind of do with regulatory and legal at the end of the day. Right. Um, so I started trying to campaign uh, with new approach. saw that it was coming. Uh, they had a law that was about to be passed. Uh, so it was about the summer of 2018 and um, trying to work on making sure it gets passed. Uh, from there, uh, pretty much just dove into the industry. Uh, I wanted to originally just write applications for people uh, the plan wasn't to get into the business side of it, really. Uh, just something to do to make some income during law school. Mm -hmm. uh, as I was researching, uh, you know, flying all over the country, talking to a lot of people, um, researching rules, regulations, um, different states' applications, what the graders were looking for, um, questions they had. And I kind of just developed my own business plan. And... Um, about three months before applications were due, I just decided to go uh, find five dispensaries, a uh, cultivation property, and manufacturing, and apply for myself as well. Nice. And that obviously uh, turned out to be pretty lucrative for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we hit uh, everything that I applied for. So. Uh, wow, that's awesome. Uh, 
Yeah. That definitely didn't happen for a lot of people over on the Missouri side who were doing applications. Yeah, it was, it, I mean, that was probably one of the toughest processes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, 12 hour days for three months, trying to write it, trying to perfect it. Um, what you see in a lot of states is they have these long applications, be hundreds of pages of long, uh, which is actually easier than what Missouri did, where Missouri gave you 500 words per question. Mm. So you had to have kind of a unique skill set and a way to tell a story around your business plan, your team, the rules and regulations, answer the question all in 500 words. Um, mm. And it's, it's difficult for people to write what they want to and get that down to those, you know, 500 words. And yeah, no kidding. Without uh, my law school education um, and my legal writing skills, there is, I mean, I guarantee there's no way I would have uh, been able to win all those. I can't even tell a story in 500 words, yeah. <laughs> let alone story. write for a license for a cannabis company in 500 words. That is absolutely a skill. Well, at least that uh, law degree is, as you know, come around to pay off so you can really hone in. <laughs> yep. Well, that's awesome. Um, I want to kind of dig into that a little bit. So we've had a lot of people on the show with me uh, for this cannabis series who, you know, their background, very similar to yours. Everybody has a little bit of that passion for the, for the industry and has been touched by the plant in many ways. Uh, but, you know, one one thing that I, I'm excited to talk to you about, about your your operation, your vertical operation is, you know, putting together a team. Um, I recently spoke with Chris Issinghoff. He is from Peak Relief. Um, he's got a couple of dispensaries up north. And I asked him on our show, I said, you know, what's the golden ticket and piece of advice that you could give somebody wanting to get into this industry? And he said, putting together your team. You've got to find a good team. So how did that process go for you? I mean, you know, especially since you kind of decided, I guess, more on the last minute piece uh, to, to really apply for all of these licenses. What was your process like in putting together a team? You know, Chris, I think, uh, nailed that right on the head. It is the most difficult part of this business is getting the right team, trying to find their weaknesses and having another person, um, that can basically, uh, counteract that and finding yeah. the different strengths and weaknesses between all these people. Um, we've assembled a great team. Um, my COO, Adam Diltz, uh, he's done amazing. Um, he's from Kansas, went to Blue Valley Northwest High School, and he was out in Vegas and got into the industry just by consulting. Uh, from there, led to VP of Operations for Verona Holdings. Um, I got lucky trying to get him. He has two kids, and uh, his wife wanted to move back to Kansas City to be closer to the grandparents. So it uh, worked out really well, but I was trying to uh, get him for a long time. And, uh, I got the licenses and, uh, turned out to be a hit. So I was That's really awesome. excited about that. Yeah. And he's brought, you know, tremendous people from operators, from nightclub industry, cannabis industry, you name it. He's, uh, well-connected and, uh, everyone he's brought on our team has just been amazing. That's awesome. Sounds like a unicorn. Yeah, that's exactly what I call the uniform. That's awesome. Um, I know. I mean, you know, we uh, have some work that we're doing over here on the Kansas side to to build industry and get legislation passed. And 
um, obviously wanting to get into the industry and the idea of putting a team together just gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah, it's it is it's very hard. I mean, the hardest thing of this industry, I mean, besides the compliance aspect of it uh, and the regulatory, it is it's people. It's yeah. You know, when you become an entrepreneur, when you start your own business, it's a lot of it is managing people. Right. Um, and you got to be able to find a way to motivate everyone differently to get what needs to get done. Yeah, I uh, currently own my business with my husband, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about dynamics. Uh, <laughs> so, it, you know, just the two of us is great because we can we can bounce things off of each other and a little bit of a different tone than other business partners probably would be able to. Uh, it can make for some really awkward dinners, but it can also make for some really great dinners. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I actually have my uh, mother. She's actually um, running our dispensaries. Oh, awesome. Yeah, she did. She was in retail for, you know, 20 something years, uh, ran pharmacies, ran on my grandpa's pharmacies, all that. So uh, she's well versed in the retail aspect. So when you got caught in the eighth grade, <laughs> did she ever think she'd be running dispensaries with you, you know, all these years later? <laughs> yeah. So uh, we actually started watching the show Weeds together. Oh, my gosh. That's um, awesome. So about sophomore year in high school, she's like, oh, I would love to run a dispensary with you one day. And here we are. <laughs> okay, cool. Only took yeah. her a couple years. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you know, that's it's been interesting raising kids in this industry. We've got four kids um, and two of our oldest are in middle school now. And so, you know, they've got different opinions on the cannabis plant than the majority of the people that they know in their families. So that's been, that's been kind of an interesting piece, but I love that you were able to bring your mom in on everything and, and get her involved uh, with everything that you guys have going on. Yeah. So huge help. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so let's get into your dispensaries. I'll talk about your cultivation and manufacturing um, a little bit later, but I, I want to talk to you about um, some of the hurdles and just things that you've run into with opening dispensaries, you know, outside of the the license application and kind of the nuances of the Missouri industry. What are some other roadblocks you've had with starting a dispensary? You know, people, I know a ton of people who love cannabis and think, oh, I love it. I'm going to get into business. And it's just not quite that simple. No, you're exactly right. I mean, first you got to deal with 280E. Um, yeah. A lot of people just think this is lucrative industry, but when you're paying 70%, um, it's, it's not what people think. Right. Uh, it's very difficult. Um, and just getting the dispensaries open. I mean, I'm, I'm 28 years old. Uh, one of these when I think I was, I was 26. So, you know, I've never built any projects before. Um, never built a retail store, stripped it down. Um, so for me, it was, you know, really diving in, you know, architectural work, finding the right engineers. And it comes back down again to the right people. Right. Um, so while you got your management team and bud tenders and all of them, but I mean, it goes beyond that to subcontractors, contractors, everything, and making sure that they can put your vision down onto paper and do it properly. Right. Uh, you know, the health department also originally was, you know, a year to get built out. So here we are with, you know, one year to build out five dispensaries. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we stuck to that and got them all built out within that one year. Uh, 
not knowing that they're going to give out variances and everything, but right. <laughs> uh, we pushed and, you know, there was a lot of sleepless nights trying to figure it all out and get open. Yeah. Uh, well, entrepreneurship comes with, uh, you know, a sleep it disorder, right? That's part <laughs> of the, part of the deal. But yeah. so with your dispensaries, you know, you talk about building out, did you guys uh, find buildings that you could, you know, transform? Did you build ground up? Uh, what did that look like? Because I know a lot of the security risks that you run into with being a cash-based business, uh, you know, kind of dictates a little bit of how you set the inside of your store up, where you can store your flour, where you can store your product. Um, you know, some states, and I think Missouri is one of them too, where you can't have windows that look inside uh, so people can see the flour and everything. So how'd that work for you guys? Yeah, so we didn't have to build anything from the ground up. Uh, so we did kind of get lucky on that. Um, and, you know, these were all the locations that I submitted in the application. So during that application process, when you're writing all of that, you're thinking about those things. Right. You should be thinking about those things uh, if you want to win. And with that, you kind of basically put the vision on the paper. Uh, you knew where the cameras needed to go. You scoped them out. Um, there was some... I guess, construction modifications you got to do after uh, to readjust. But for the most part, you know, it's everything I thought about two years ago. Before yeah. Did you already have to own the property or, or were you able to kind of work with the potential to own that property? No, I got a uh, great landlord on a couple of those locations. Uh, he worked with me um, and he was able to secure them for me. I didn't have to put any money down on it or anything like that. And he kept them for me. No one nice. his tenants were going to be leaving at those times. So just one of those great relationships that, you know, I found him and it just happened to work out where the timing was just perfect. What's finding a landlord who is willing to open up to a cannabis company difficult? Um, yes. It, you know, there was a lot of vetting, right? Yeah, um, they wanted to make sure that they were finding the right partner because at the time everyone's trying to get the same real estate. Right. Uh, in Kansas City, it's not that big, so everyone's looking at the same landlords that own the same properties. So it's it's another competitive process that you know you had to make sure that that landlord was going to pick you. Yeah, we had um, we had a CBD store. We closed it when COVID started, uh, which turned out to be the best thing that could have happened to us going online, um, but when we opened our business there was only one other cbd store in the city and trying to find landlords who would rent out to us was ridiculous i mean nobody nobody knew the difference between hemp and marijuana at that point nothing in missouri had started yet you know we're kind of newcomers to this industry and i mean people would not touch us with the 10-foot pool <laughs> He, we finally found a, a guy who owned his own building and it was a standalone building and he, he didn't care. He just was like, all right, you're going to pay me. We'll make a deal. It's <laughs> like, yep. great. Sounds good. It's, um, it's funny how just even over those short, what, five years, just how much it's evolved in Missouri um, yeah. you know, from, Hey, we don't want you as a tenant to now it's a competitive process. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I think that, I spoke with Clay Stallings with Evolution Magazine recently, and, you know, he said part of the, his drive for the magazine was breaking down stigmas amongst patients. And that's taken a little bit of time, especially with the older generations. And it's funny to me how quick the stigmas have been broken down for landlords. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, when, uh, I guess when money is a factor, it's kind of like your landlord. Hey, yeah, you pay me, okay? Yeah, a little bit different on on that aspect. Yeah. Um. So for your dispensaries, you know, when you're starting a new a new industry, staffing. You know, you were talking about bud tenders and your subcontractors and whatnot. I mean, is there a process that you guys went through for hiring? Did you train them up or was it people that just kind of already had an innate knowledge of the plant? I mean, this time last year, I probably had about 10, 15 employees. Uh, that's like including management team. Uh, we're now up to 250 employees. Wow. So it is, it, it goes quick and... You know, I think a lot of people um, have different expectations when they come in, especially at the cultivation side, um, where at the end of the day, it, it is farming. Right. And, and, you know, we keep a clean, sterile environment. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's not easy sometimes. Right. Right. So you got five dispensaries. Are they all in the Kansas City area? Yeah, we have three in Kansas City. So one is... Uh, on Southwest Boulevard next to Conax. Okay. And we've got one next to the T-Mobile Center downtown. Okay. And then one in Brookside off of uh, 62nd and Troost. Okay. And then we have one in Raytown. Okay. Like 350 Highway and then one in Independence at the Cracker Neck Shopping Center. Okay. So all locally, you know, in the metro area. Yep. So let's, let's switch over to, you know, and talk a little bit about your cultivation. Um, are those all here? locally in the metro area too yeah cultivation is uh right outside of independence so okay uh, you know i wanted to keep everything as local as possible and close together uh logistically mm-hmm. uh you know i remember when i was applying i was so young i was like 24 at the time um a lot of people in the industry were telling me oh you should apply where the zip codes are like you're not going to win in kansas city it's too competitive and um i was like well now I got something to kind of prove. So I'm right. Gonna right, right here and, and you're going to have to compete with me. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's good. I'm glad I did that. Uh, just be way too hard to manage everything, you know, across the state. Missouri is a big state. Right. Um, and, you know, if I was trying to go to St. Louis or Cape Girardeau, when our base is here in Kansas city, it would be very difficult. Yeah. And, and for those of you listening, I mean, St. Louis is four hours from Kansas city, depending on how fast you drive. Yeah. You can hit yeah. it in about three and a half. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it's a lot of open road on uh, I-70 heading over there. Um, and, uh, you know, I love that you guys have been able to keep it all local to Kansas City. Um, and I see a big potential for that with your brand and your company as well as Kansas starts to legalize. Um, that That's such a unique aspect of these two states and of this industry is you have a major metro area that sits right on the border between two states. No, you're exactly right. Uh, That's also one of the main reasons I was going to Kansas City and sticking there. And, you know, I got that dispensary right off Southwest Boulevard. It's very close to state line on the Kansas side. So we go recreational and it's, it's try to be able to build that brand presence in another state. Um, You know, Kansas City, as you know, is a very small town. Everyone knows each other to the first degree, pretty much. Right. <laughs> uh, it's my hometown. Uh, I love it here, and I want to, you know, try to make some kind of impact here uh, locally as much as possible. Yeah, I call it the big little city. It is, yeah. <laughs> you, you know it. 
I love it here. And people who come to Kansas City or move here, they always say the same thing. They love it here, too. It, it really is a wonderful place. And we're starting to see it be a, a real nice hub for entrepreneurship here. Um, you know, there's there's wonderful tech startups here. There is a thriving entrepreneurship community. So people looking to get into business and, and wanting to build companies have been able to do so fairly successfully in Kansas City with a nice large reach um, of mentors and programs. Um, I feel like this is a fantastic time to let you know that today's episode of Startup Puzzle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Um, but back to the cannabis side. Uh, so one of the things, I really hate talking about COVID, but I feel like we should because it's such an integral part of everybody's business and everyone's been affected by it. Um, you know, dispensaries were obviously considered essential businesses when the shutdowns were happening. So how did that impact your business um, as far as patients coming in? Were you guys up and running fully? You know, I know you said you've had a 200 employee shift in the last year. So so what did the state of your business look like then? And how did that impact you long term? So when COVID first hit, it was, uh, you know, early 2020, right? right. Um, we were still building out at that time. Okay. So it actually helped us. Um, you know, the world kind of slowed down at the time. Uh, it was a little bit more difficult to, you know, get some stuff in, equipment in from China, and there's some long lead times. But for the most part, I, it was kind of like a break um, mm -hmm. there. And it was able to, you know, kind of focus, you know, and you weren't really worrying about the small stuff that wasn't important in life anymore. And you could kind of focus your attention elsewhere and um uh, it it's difficult that's for sure and but you know with 2021 by the time we opened in january i can't give any historical numbers on how it did help us or if it didn't help us but you know we've we've done pretty good so far and able to get product into patients hands consistently so that's awesome yeah so as part of your vertical you're growing and then you're selling what you're growing directly to consumers, correct? Yeah. Yeah. The goal is, you know, we want to be in every single dispensary. We want nice. to get product into everyone's hands. Um, you know, uh, so we'll sell it up my five dispensaries, but, you know, we sell to everyone in Kansas City. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So how many locations, how many locations do you have where you cultivate? Uh, just one. Just the one. Okay. Yep. How yep. many plants are you growing? Um, we produce, I think our last harvest going off weight, um, I think it was about 3000 pounds wet. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. So we have another harvest. Yeah. That was yesterday's harvest actually. That's awesome. So are you hands-on with all of that or are you more of guiding no. the ship? Yeah. I'll let Adam deal with, uh, pretty much everything at the grow him and his team. Uh, they've done a fantastic job, but you know. I can't tell the difference between uh, different kind of strains or anything like that uh, myself. So I'll let the uh, experts handle that. Yeah, that's where you bring the team in. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, five dispensaries, a cultivation facility, you know, that's a lot of money. That's you. You had to do some serious raising of some money for for those licenses and to be able to build all this out. So how did the investment process go for you? And, you know, what were you guys able to raise? 
Yeah, so um, not going to disclose what we were able to raise, but it was a significant amount of money is what we had to do. And, you know, being so young at the time, um, I heard thousands of no's. I got hundreds of yeses, but uh, it was it was difficult. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they see the age as a disadvantage. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not going to be able to get it done. I uh, can't execute. Um, but the investors that did believe in me uh, thanked them tremendously because we were able to be one of the first growers and get all five dispensaries open um, before the majority of the other license holders. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was um, it was a difficult process uh, in the beginning. And then, you know, once you get one investor, then their friend, once in, then their friend, and uh, it's kind of like a domino effect. But right. that was one of the hardest things to figure out was how to raise that money. Because yeah. No banking, banking laws are, there they're pretty much are none for, you know, cannabis space. They can't loan us money. They can't do anything like that, which makes it very difficult for people that don't have access to capital. Absolutely. And that's. You know, that's one of the big things we've seen, too, um, here on the Kansas side while we're working with legislation. You know, we, we'd love to see sensible licensing fees to give everybody just an opportunity. Uh, you know, uh, there there was some talk about $100,000 fees for licensing. And it's like, God dang, <laughs> like yeah. you just completely shut the door on so many people. Um, I, I mean, raising money is hard. That That's definitely something that we've even seen on our side of the business is and if you're if this is your first time your first business, your first time trying to find investors and raise money. It's like, where the hell do you start? Yeah. You, I mean, it's just kind of like everything, you know, you just got to start. Right. And you just have to go. It's, you know, I didn't know how to build out anything. I didn't know, you know, how to run a business, but I knew I could figure it out and just keep going. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I mean, you guys have definitely made some awesome waves over there and you know, the, the product that you're putting out and, and the dispensaries and everything, you really did pull off quite the incredible feat. Yeah. Like I said, I got a great team, uh, a lot of people behind us and, you know, they're able to pull it off. So, I mean, that comes down all the way from our janitors to our third party contract security companies to our cleaning crews, everything. Um, right. Everyone's amazing and they're all part of this. So as you were as you were doing your you know business applications and whatnot, was there a specific business that you were kind of modeling after, or you know what did that process look like as you were putting everything together? Yeah, a lot of it was taking best practices from you know not just the cannabis space, but I mean you you look at places like Amazon, uh, you know Whole Foods, Apple, anything like that. Um, seeing what they do, how they run operations. And then making it applicable, you know, to our business, specifically to the marijuana business. You know, there's a lot of great things that other companies do that you can take uh, to public knowledge and apply it to your own business to make it better. So right. I just kind of follow what uh, other successful companies have done in the past and we strategize ways to make it work for us. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you're not reinventing the wheel, right? No, nope. might as well might as well use the resources that you have. I think that's been uh, one of the more difficult mindsets for myself specifically to get into when running our business. 
um, even down to just creating content for our website and stuff. It's like, I, I have to remember, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Yep. <laughs> I just need to make this all work for me and work for my business and get my message across. I mean, sure, there's going to be tons of it out there already, but how can I make this work for my customers, my clients, my business? Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of, you know, forget that and they, they want to make it perfect, right? Right. Uh, and that's what I always tell a lot of people, my management team, it's like, hey, it's not going to be perfect. Just go for it. It's like, yeah. hey, you're 90% of the way there. That's good enough. And we can adjust. I mean, yeah. you've got obstacles, you know, shouldn't be your enemy. They should be your friend. Yeah. And you got to be constantly readjusting and, you know, figuring out new trends, where it's going, you know, five years from now. Right. So, so on obstacles, I mean, what are some of the bigger things that you guys have faced with, you know, outside of the application process? Uh, what are some walls you've hit? I mean, a lot of it has to do with uh, hitting timelines, uh, mm -hmm. construction. You know, we were trying to build everything out. We're still building out while we have all of our flowering canopy space at our uh, cultivation site. Our employee area isn't completely finished. So we're starting that project. That might be done in another month. And uh, to make them happy, I really want to get that area done. It's going to be really cool for them. But right now, you know, they're all kind of scrambled in a closer corner to get ready and then you got COVID going on. So you got to just get everything right with timing. Um, and you know, that just doesn't create the best environment. So by giving them that area, it's, it's going to create a way better environment for them. Uh, but then you're dealing with compliance, uh, constantly with regulatory, uh, it technology shutting down on you, anything like that. Um, that that's always a huge problem. And, you know, you are in the legal cannabis industry where people think, you know, it's just money, 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 and they want to come after you lawsuits, uh, anything like that. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's not all, uh, sunshine and rainbows. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a brutal, brutal industry. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that, that's such a hard, I don't know if stigma is the right word, but I'm going to use stigma. To, to kind of overcome because, you know, you have uh, media and you have all of these industry organizations saying like the legal cannabis industry is going to reach $40 billion by the end of 2025. And so, I mean, people just see dollar signs in their eyeballs, but that is so far from the truth. You know, you were talking about 1080E, you, you, you've got serious issues with, you know, taxes and uh, state regulations, compliance. I mean, it's the overhead to run a business in general. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so much that goes into it. And yes, there is money to be made in this industry. Absolutely. It's not easy. It's not. No, it it's takes a different, different breed. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to keep going with it. And, you know, I understand why people want to give up when they uh, kind of start one of these, uh, especially in a competitive industry like Missouri. But, you know, to me, it's, it's what I've always wanted to do and we're going to keep going at it. So uh, we have the goal to be the best and that's, that's what we're going to chase. Yeah. That passion, that why um, is so important because this industry will chew you up and spit you out and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hundred times, and then it's only Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, we listen to feedback and uh, you know, some, there's always some harsh comments, but, you know, we, we learn from those kind of things and it's like, okay, well, we'll readjust, you know, we gotta be listening to uh, the patients at the end of the day. 
Right. Yeah, that, that definitely adds a unique um, just little cog in, into building an industry as, as, as a medical industry. You know, you're dealing with patients. You're dealing with people who need this plant, this product uh, to, to live healthy and happy, fulfilling lives. Um, so one of the things that is interesting to me is the inability to market. It's something we've dealt with on the CBD side. I know it's something that the marijuana medical side is dealing with as well. What are some ways that you guys are getting over that? How are you getting your brand awareness out there and, and making those sales? Yeah, we have, you know, the cannabis industry, a lot of it is about culture, right? Um, my team is young. Um, they've all been cannabis users. They've been in the industry. Um, they've been in other industries, uh, such as nightclubs, bars, um, marketing, all of that. So it's, it's taking what we've done in other industries and applying it here, mm. uh, trying to get the, the brands out, um, you know, sponsorships at concerts, um, giving away t-shirts, giving away, um, different kind of, not marijuana product, but like different kind of you know, non-marijuana products. Right. Um, trying to get those in people's hands. Uh, at the end of the day, it's having a good product. You know, if we did all that, we didn't have a good product, no one would want to buy it. Right. They wouldn't want to come in. So it's it's being able to produce the right product that's high quality, that patients love, and then, you know, giving a little more. Yeah. Yeah, the, the quality of cannabis products has most certainly changed over the last 10, 12, 15, 20 years. So I imagine that's that's got to be a, you know, a bar that's just constantly being raised and pushed forward. It is. It's difficult because, you know, they everyone looks at THC content, right? Right. That is the number one thing you got to look at when you're buying. Now, that's the average consumer. Um so we're trying to shift that focus on education to the terpene profile, mm, especially the medicinal side. Um, you know, we, we tell you what the terpenes in, we do the extra on our testing. We go ahead and we get that full panel terpene test. Uh, we want to make sure people are educated on that because, you know, one of our best selling strains, uh, purple chem, it's not our highest THC content, but the way it interacts with the THC interacts with the terpenes, everyone loves it. Yeah. And that that's something that I think it just isn't uneducated. Well, as the industry matures, I think that we're starting to see more of that because you're absolutely correct. I mean, THC content has always been kind of the the bar, but really you can have, you know, five, 10 percent less THC content. But if you've got a high percentage of specific terpenes, well, they interact within your endocannabinoid system and suddenly you're uptaking and the bioavailability of that THC is higher. So it's almost as potent and the effect is even better. Yeah. I mean, we had one, I think it was like a 15% content. It was a one-to-one -one ratio. And uh, a lot of people just saw it, you know, saw it on the bottle 15% and hated it. Well, there was a lot of cancer patients who called me, emailed us, texted me saying that was their favorite strain and we need to produce more of it. Uh, but, you know, you'll see people who won't try and they just keep reading that, you know, 15% THC. Right. And it's not good, mean, but right. you know, it's not always the right thing. And THC, the way, you know, everyone's got a different kind of 
endocannabinoid system, the way everything interacts within each person's body. So it might be right for someone isn't right for the other person. Absolutely. So that that's another piece to this whole industry that's so interesting is being able to educate your, you know, bud tenders to be able to educate your patients. Um, everybody is so different. What works for one isn't going to work for another. But I think that's what makes it so interesting when you're selling products too. Um, it can be frustrating, but it can also be exciting. Uh, so do you guys play around with, you know, you know, different strains to see how they sell? Or do you pretty much have like your tried and true that you keep in stock? Uh, both. So um, we're going to keep some strains in stock. Uh, but each, pretty much each harvest now, we're trying out different strains, uh, nice. seeing how it works. And, you know, if it grows well, um, people love it, then we're going to keep selling it. Uh, we want to constantly uh, be bringing on new products to the market. So, you know, people, you know, you can only have the same cake so many times before you want to try something else. Right. <laughs> right. So, uh you know, with with industry growth comes lots of new different types and ways to engage in, in products. You know, we're seeing dabs and waxes and shatters and edibles and all of this. So as part of your manufacturing facility, are you guys using your product to manufacture these newer um, kind of more cutting edge ways of medicating? Yeah, we actually uh, partnered up with uh, Nick Tannum. Um, you know, he's kind of considered the grandfather of solventless, uh, being able to bring it to market, uh, especially here in the United States. So his solventless extraction techniques are, you know, at the top of the game. And he's here in Missouri. He's going to start helping us on that. We're going to try to introduce that in Missouri. It's as a new market, it's difficult because what we've noticed is a lot of people, you know, they're not trying the dabs as much as you see in California or in Colorado. Right. You know, solventless, it's going to be brand new here for the most part. And you just got to get people educated on it and how it works. It's like in Vegas right now. Vegas has been a market that's been online for several years. They're just now getting the solventless. There's just now a demand for it. Hmm. So it takes a long time to build that up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know many patients who are just going to go straight to dabbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially, yeah, it's so new. And, you know, people want to kind of start with maybe if they haven't tried cannabis in 30, 40 years, they're going to start with smoking because that's what they did back in the day. Right. And just trying to work people up to find what's right for them. So what do you see as the trends of different types of, you know, products that you guys are going to be able to put out? What does the market look like five, six, seven years from now? I see beverages making a low dose beverages um, kind of coming up um, and we're going to see how that works with Bee Leaf in St. Louis. They just produced a beer uh, with, I think it's five milligrams in each can. Wow. Uh, yeah. So being in a new market like this, uh, it could work when you're introducing that product. You know, you've also seen the beer beers fail in other states. Right. Uh, you know, produced a giant brewery for marijuana and, you know, no one was buying it at the time. So it's, it's obviously drinking alcohol is different than smoking cannabis. Um, so you're kind of introducing, you know, two different industries into one, but I think people can start hitting it, you know, as more social clubs keep opening up. Um, 
you know, I don't think anyone's going to want to drink a hundred milligram drink at a social event, but that sounds drink, like a nightmare. Right? In my drink, <laughs> you know, five milligrams in five cans, 20, 25 milligrams and be happy. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. Beverages. Yeah. Beverages. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, I think if it comes federally legal here, uh, you got Canada, you got Mexico, you're kind of turning cannabis into a commodity at this point. Right. And it's really going to be the best brands um, that are going to succeed in that market. Absolutely. So, so what is it about your brand and your company that really sets you apart and, and differentiates you from the competition here locally, but maybe one day nationally? Yeah, I think to me, you know, our brand is called illicit cannabis. Um, and we're trying to basically take back that word. Uh, it's the illicit market that you see. I don't believe anyone should be locked up for cannabis. Uh, I mean, maybe there's violence involved or a child or something like that. But for the most part, you know, I'm sitting here selling marijuana when there's 40,000 people locked up in prison for it. Right. So our brand, you know, we're really trying to take an approach to help people that are in prison, try to get them out. Um, and whether that's by funding different, their lawyers, um, we've done a lot of that. Um, you know, my roommate, he was incarcerated in prison. His name is Dante West for four years, basically on a false marijuana charge up in Riley County. He was able to get himself out of prison, right? In his own motions, got a public defender. And I mean, it was truly amazing and he should never have been locked up. He was in prison, same age as me, mm. sitting there while I was selling marijuana. And uh, that just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. So we really want to try to bring a brand that brings awareness to this kind of issue. Because a lot of people just don't know that. Right. They, just, you know, they, they don't think 40,000 people are sitting in prison for marijuana. And we want to build that awareness and build that brand um, until pretty much every prisoner is out. You know, That's there's not a lot of, yeah, not a lot of companies doing it. There's, you know, another one, uh, Rosemary and Jane out in California. Uh, they're coming online. They're great with it. Uh, Eric Murray is from Kansas. Um, but it's, it's, it's a problem in the industry and it needs to change. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we um, have been working with Barry Grissom, who I know you're familiar with as well, um, over here on the Kansas side to try to implement some sort of a criminal reform as well, um, especially once we get the industry up and running, because just like you said, how can somebody sit here and grow and sell while other people are sitting in prison for 10, 15, 20 years for doing the same damn thing? <laughs> right across the state line. At, okay. Right. It's crazy. It, it's it's insane. So I, I absolutely love that. That so thank you, thank you for your work, um, for doing that, and for caring enough, and knowing enough, and having the wherewithal to, you know, make that happen, and including that in part of your brand. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try, and, and it, you know, only gonna improve on it. Um, you know, there's a lot that I wish I could do more, uh, but just at this time, it's, you know, I can't be at every legal hearing. I can't be doing everything, but right. um, hopefully one day. Yeah, so, that's awesome. That's my ultimate passion. Awesome. Well, I love it. And I want to thank you for coming on and, and just chatting with me a little bit about your your business and, you know, how you got to where you are and definitely what keeps you driving. 
for before we go, though, one last thing. If you had a just golden ticket piece of advice, just one thing that you could offer somebody wanting to get into this industry, what would it be? Start. Just Start. do it. I mean, you know, I, I got a lot of friends that, you know, they got their nine to five jobs. They love it. But, you know, some want to do more. They're just like, how do you do it? And I was like, just go. Yeah. Figure it out. That's so awesome. You, yeah. You don't give up. Um, you know, it's the margin of error between failure and success is so small. And it's right. like, you don't know when you're on that line, if you just keep going, you'll hit it. Right. Yeah. No. I call it uh, failing forward. That's what yeah. we always say. Just, exactly. just fuck up in that direction. Hey, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, there's been plenty of times, uh, it would have been much easier to give up and yeah. just say, screw this. Uh, I probably could have just sold all my stuff. Uh, made a lot of money and been happy, but you know, that wasn't my end goal. Yeah. Well, great work. Thank you so much again. I want to remind you guys that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. You can find them on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast or check out our YouTube channel where you can find myself and fellow founders talk about the real story of what it takes to build and grow a business. Thank you so much, Nate, and I uh, look forward to chatting with you soon. I will see you guys next Wednesday for more Cannabis in the Hustle. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.